Yeah, not many people have been able to crack it. A couple of people had a good good chat, but every time they think they got it dialed, they're like, what? It's like, yeah, welcome to my world. Uh, I just think we're all onions. Yeah, I get it. Welcome to Rosie on Recruitment, a podcast on recruitment, career, and more. I'm your host, Rosie Nathan, partner and senior sourcing specialist at Customized Talent Group, chief commercial officer at Her Career, chartered manager, and mentor. I'm here with my featured guests, ranging from executives to graduates and candidates to hiring managers, to provide you with valuable insights and tips to help you get the most out of recruitment, whatever side you're on. My guest for this episode is Robert Hollis, a gent that is all in for what he believes. Self-described as an independent thinker on a journey to promote, protect, and positively impact Kiwi culture, he's known for speaking his truth and not shying away from real conversations. And that's why I invited him on my show. If you've heard his podcast, Robert Live, or seen an interview, you'll know he oozes authenticity. Robert has seen a fair bit in his time, but uses his drivers of being a proud hashtag girl dad, a Kiwi with Ngati Pro ties, and his focus on creativity, commerce, and community to write his compass and share that direction with others. In this episode, we cover his hate for misplacing position over a person. It's not who they are or what they represent. Why conversation transparency on real issues is important and why we need to get braver. If you can win your own way, and you can win, you should hold on to that. Why Rob Campbell is an icon, how to resolve toxic people in your organization, and so much more. There are a few more expletives than usual in this sharing, but totally in context. For the full version of this interview, head over to my YouTube channel. I know you'll find this one enjoyable, as I warmly welcome Robert to the Rosie on Recruitment and Career podcast. Good everybody, my name is Robert Hollis and about to get into it with Rosie on recruitment to talk about a whole bunch of good things. Let's get into it. Love it. <laughs> Let's get into it. One of the things that strikes me is your authenticity, your real transparency around what you stand for and believe in. And that is something that I'm heartened to see more companies embrace, but definitely need some leaders out the front. Comes at a cost though. Comes at a cost. Yeah, I was going to say, we need some more leaders out the front like you because it is it is the tall poppy syndrome. It's putting your head above the ground, right? So I just wanted to start off with what does recruitment and career mean to you since that's what this potty is about career is yet undefined because it feels like the journey can't get put into one bucket i always sort of feel well for starters i'd obviously say that because i'm kind of i'm unhirable basically i'm an hr nightmare (laughs) but i do feel that i just hate the idea of a bucket i hate the idea of a, a, a title defining a whole human's existence. I just don't, I kind of don't believe, like I get career is what you do, but it's very loaded for me because I guess by, you know, full conflict of interest, I have to feel a certain way about it because I haven't been able to get that. I failed high school, I didn't, couldn't get into university, got no degrees, no anything. So I've kind of just navigated the free flowing world of life in my own journey. I think it's worked out potentially better in many situations than if I had gone down another path of trying to be a thing as a career or a thing. Now, these goals and careers are different, but for me, it's just a little bit of a loaded question because I I just don't, I hate when people misplace position over a person because that doesn't define them of who they are and what they represent. Loaded question, sorry to start, but that's, that's how I feel. No, I agree. I think a lot of people felt that way coming out of COVID. So I was disestablished during that period and kind of get taken aback by understanding how deeply you tie your worth to what that title was or what you 
you'd tried to achieve over two decades of working a particular way and ticking particular boxes. And it was one of the reasons I wanted to get into recruitment to really understand a whole person and, and show them, you know, I'd pivoted in my past too, just that that's possible. Like, what do you really want to do? It's a blank canvas now, right? And the skill sets. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think as well, when you're age changes and you're in different or maybe not age changes but maybe when you get into different phases of life that same skill set translates so differently like for example yeah. a pro athlete that's been at an elite level that transitions into business they can fit really squarely into a bunch of different potential environments that have got nothing to do with their sport but there's this underlying thing of whether it's teamwork or leadership or motivation or glue or drive or focus resilience, or whatever, mindset. resilience yeah. exactly whatever it may be so you know but then that changes as well is, you know, builders that start building at 15 and by the time they're 35, they need to transition to that next thing. They still got the same skill sets, phases, changes. That's all. That's one of the other things that I feel is, you know, the same skill set in an individual at a different phase in their life can mean two totally different things. And that's totally okay. That's funny. It segues very nicely into my next question, which focuses you really on this piece. So you grew up in a farm in Dargaville, which I thought was cool. I had dairy farmer friends in Matakaui. So you probably know uh, where that is, where most in the country might not. You were in Fiji, then Aranui Christchurch, Rep presented New Zealand in both basketball and soccer. As you mentioned, you failed high school and traveled the world as a professional snowboarder. How did all of that prepare you specifically to transition into business? I know we talked about that skill transfer, but what did you take from that? There's one line from Jay-Z and it's, I ain't a business, man. I'm a business, man. Nice. What it is for my head was, I'm not a businessman, which is one-to-one unscalable time. I'm a business yeah. man. I'm a full platform scalable entity that can make money while I sleep, that can have different things rolling and a bunch of different you know flows all over the show. And so for me, it was mm. just changing the headspace of how I felt about it. And for me, when I was in snowboard world, I remember it distinctly at 20 being like, I don't want to be 30 and having to jump off a flipping cliff to pay my rent. You know, like when you're a pro yeah. snowboarder at the time in that world, every day you almost die and something that always sort of freaked me out a little bit was this idea of I'm rolling the dice every single day with my own future do I want yeah. to have control of not that you can't control business but you roll the dice in other ways but at least physically there's more safety and security I've always played chess so chess is a big kind of thing for me I've thought since I was you know 12 or 13 when I started getting into it long game five ten right. moves ahead like, what's the play? What's the play? How does this position, where does that go? What happens there with either relationships, opportunities or whatever it may be? And that's one of the potentially the, maybe the biggest disconnects of those that either think they know me or, or know me or whatever, is they don't realize how I'm thinking about things because we don't, I guess, have yeah. the opportunities for conversations like this. But when I think about the long game on things, then time, everything sort of changes a, a lot differently. And so that's probably one of the biggest drivers that helped me, I guess, transition across because before I actually peaked, I had already made the commitment to bail out and get into business. I got a silver medal at the world finals for snowboarding before the competition I told two people that I was going to regardless of the outcome I was going to retire and bail and they thought I was flipping yeah. nuts and then I got silver everyone thought I was about to go in and I was like peace I'm out nah. and they're like what the fuck what <laughs> So maybe vision or preparation or, or mindset or whatever is probably one of the, the biggest sort of skill sets that helped me transition across because I was I was thinking 10 moves ahead. Like right now, my brain's not even at 36. My brain's at 56, 60, 70, yeah. maybe. I guess that that makes me wonder because I know you're involved in so many things. So is that because you're agile and you're continuing to change or because opportunities, you know, new ones come up, but it's hard to let some of those that you're already involved with go. What's that process for you? It's It's got better over time. I'm trying to think of it like shotgun to sniper. So when you're in your early 20s, you want to do right. everything. You try and shoot everything yep. in one hit. And then, you know. Yeah, I'm shotgunning right now. I get yep. you. 
And then I'm trying to snipe it down of like, all right, cool. Now this thing can pop or that thing, whatever. And then it becomes around, I've only got a certain amount of time in the day. And then what's mm. going to be the biggest win for you with that time commercially, culturally, for community, for others, for charity. Then it becomes prioritizing that thing because you could, and recently I had to drop, let go of one project, but I loved it. It was great. But the amount of energy and effort to get this single one income, I could probably do the same thing in one day over there. And it's like, well, yeah. in terms of your time, you sort of get to a spot and you start thinking about how you want to deploy that energy or that time capital. And I've sort of started to transition my environment around, let me reverse engineer what I want to do with my time first. And then how do I yeah, fill those sure. gaps? And then so I'm kind of yeah. playing a bit of chess on how I play this next phase out till I'm 50. Yeah. Because, you know, I've got a young family, two daughters under three. That's my priority yes. of any of this other shit. So I'm just kind of like, all right, well, what I do in the middle is, is up to me. But so I better make it count. That's such an interesting piece. I deal with a lot of graduates or new to work people. And part of that is experience going out and shotgunning. But I found that I've done that at various stages in my career because I've pivoted. I love to learn and I love to connect with people. So you go out and you kind of get all this experience, but then it's snipering down. So it is the that kind of out and in. And those experiences do enrich you. And sometimes you, you get something from them that is not commercial might not pay off for 10 or 20 years it might only pay off in one project in the future but it's still made an imprint on you right totally 100 percent. you tackle some pretty big topics in your conversations from business success through to things like domestic violence so why is this type of conversation transparency important to you it's a great question. I feel it is important to talk about the uncomfortable thing first or in public because it empowers others to potentially do the same. And usually people don't have the tougher conversations or braver conversations in public because they are fearful. It's like a beefed up version of why CEOs or big leaders at businesses don't really comment with their own personal opinions on anything to do with on social media, because it may not be an accurate representation of the business. So there is a risk for them mm. to have a personal opinion, which is the most stupid shit ever, right? Because titles are temporary. We're all humans. Yeah. But I then feel when it comes to tougher things, people instantly default to let's not do that because they're afraid of the tougher honesty that will come out the other side or the potential liability that comes out the side or the HR that comes out the other side or whatever. It's never that they don't feel it. It's always that they don't have enough bravery to do it. And so I will know things most of the time as if something's really gnarly in particular, I'll say it. Mm. There's piss or likes or comments on it, but there's yeah. heaps of views. It frustrates me. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I'm like, okay, so you've engaged with it because you know what's up, but then what happens is the back channels pop. So you get messages or texts or calls or yeah. emails or um, private messages yeah. and whatever and all of it. And so every time that happens, I know it resonates because all I'm sort of saying is I just want others to be braver. I want them to be mm. braver to have that conversation. Like, because whether they're right or wrong, that's their truth. You know, like recently there's some yeah. other stuff popped up and people just were going hard. I'm like, cool. Well, that's how they feel great, but that's that's their truth. Like, fine, like, mm. cool. You may be a flipping Muppet and you're an idiot, fine, but that's your truth right now. Yeah. You know, so for me, I kind of also, when you can stand in a room and you don't need anything from anyone genuinely, anything you say is going to be usually held with more either respect or, or actually more listened to because there's not a conflict of interest of a, a power dynamic where something needs someone from the other side. It's just genuine, like, this is me. This is what I think. The views may and probably will change over time and mine definitely have over the last 15 years and they will continue yeah. to. But part of the reason for me anyway is if I'm long gaming it and I've got thoughts about things and society ends up adapting and changing to it, selfishly, 
I'm just getting to be historically correct time and time and time and time again. So my children's children, when they look through Facebook and 2100 or whatever it may be, they can see exactly what I thought about the exact same time. And they thought the insights of what culture was like in community yeah. and commerce and exactly what they take. And I think part of me doing what I'm doing isn't actually about me. It's like documenting our world right now. And it's then been the conduit for others' thoughts of that thing. And then just like, could you imagine going back and, and being like, 1912 and watching a Facebook video of your 20 year old grandparents, like talking about, oh man, this flipping, this, this AM radio is the shit. And oh man, they've got this talk back, like just, you know, documenting life, you know? Yeah. And so I just sort of feel that we're documenting the future learnings for others. And for me, I think this may get played in a hundred years and it's still going to be there. So that's cool for me. Yeah, I think so too. It's a representation and you want to be on the right side of that with your values and beliefs. That fear piece well, is really important. It yeah. exposes everyone if, if it's not, right? So yeah, sorry, fear piece. It does, yeah. So that fear piece, like what would you say? How would you shake up some of those CEOs to get over that? Because some people are doing this successfully. I love how honest Rob Campbell is. He's been on my potty. He's, <laughs> he says some stuff, which I just think a lot of other people, again, too fearful to say. And that's what I love about your sharing. It's authentic. It's to the point. doesn't fluff around. So how can people start to speak their truth with more honesty? Well, the Robs are very, we're, we're both very similar where we're at a point where we can genuinely say what we think and not that it can't, like, say with Rob. The ramifications no are different, possibly. No one's questioning shit about Rob because everyone that would <laughs> is like, True. everyone that could say anything about him would be those that haven't done what he's done, that look like yeah. him, that want to be him, that actually aspire to be him yet, but haven't. So they totally. don't have the right to that opinion because they haven't done what he's done. So shut your face. Yeah. And so yeah. he already wins by default before it because whatever he says, unless it's someone who's done the same or more with more credibility or whatever, which is not many, I'm not saying he wins yeah. by default, but he's sort of won the game where he's like come up the chain through all the bullshit. He's walked that talk. Yeah. And he's got to the top and he's like, cool. And now I'm here with my power and this is my thoughts and opinions on it. And he, and he flipping says it. And that's the coolest shit about him. And so me and Robin yeah. are real close. And I love it that he knows as well. I, I texted him the other day randomly. I said, do you have advisors at this point in your life? You're like 60 or 70 yeah. or some shit, right? Like, do you have advisors? And yeah. he goes, nope, I roll solo. And I was like, well, <laughs> and then I kind of said to him too, I was like, well, I guess it'd be tricky to listen to some like, because for me to listen to him, that's a mentor, right? Because yeah. he's, you know, 20, 30 years ahead of my game. I'm the young buck still on the come up. Blah, blah, blah. I know how the game works. But for him, and I said to him, I was like, what? So I guess you're not like asking 95-year-olds in the rest time about cryptocurrency <laughs> and what they should do for the future of finance. It's like, it's that I choose not to listen. It's like, I could, but I won't. And so it was yeah. just like, you know, he's just got to, to spot his content. And so to rewind it back, the difference that they have is leverage, you know? Yes, yes. Like he has leverage to be able to say that thing because he's done it. And there's this young buck entrepreneur who's gone through some shit recently and who's gone through a bad little spot and he rang me up. I had a chat with him yesterday. And I said, look, you're a young buck you're doing some dumb shit, you're burning bridges, whatever. It's like, you're going to have to try and obviously mend those. And it's not, you're not going to mend them through just, you're not going to mend them through talking. You're going to mend it through earning your way back through, through actions, sort of success, yeah. through actions, right? Um, In my sort of head, when I was sort of thinking about his scenario is he hasn't executed anything yet because mm. he's just, he's a young buck talking shit that hasn't done anything. So shut your face. Yeah. The difference is if you can talk the shit and actually then have done some stuff, then it's yeah. like, you know, for me, when my um, media company Frontside was acquired by Saatchi and Saatchi, one of my advisors yeah. said the first thing to me, he goes, look, everyone now knows you're crazy, but not nuts. 
and there's a difference. Yes. Because you can't, there's, you a can't line, have done yeah. what you've, there's a line and you can't have done what you've done if you were nuts. You can still be crazy. Yeah. So now you're crazy, but not nuts. And then, then you're yeah. more lethal because it kind of gives you this like free reign to yes. be like, yeah, stuff this. I'm gonna, like, I'm not changing shit now. Like if I've been able to win wearing a $7 t-shirt and rocking flip my Jordans and shit or my, my Air Force Ones or whatever it may be, I'm going to keep doing it. If I'm going to keep talking this, I'm going to keep talking this way. Like, why do I need to change shit now? Yeah, the unpredictability shakes them, right? Dude, well, let's flip it the other way. If I rolled up back to New Zealand now and I come off the plane, I'm in a flipping three-piece suit with a little pocket square and shit, and then I come into a, a meeting and be like, hey, guys, it's great to be here. Everyone be like, what the? What? <laughs> yeah. Who does he think he is? Being, yeah. Exactly. The point being, they would know that I'm not being authentic to me because that's not how I am. Yes. The second I yeah. do it, I would lose. I would lose all credibility because I'm not being authentic. Now, that's not to say I don't like ball out in a suit if it's like respect for the occasion yeah. or whatever. But totally. I just think if you can win your own way and you then win, so powerful. You've clearly done something right. Like do you stuff the rest of it. So to answer your question would be until you got leverage, you can't do shit. Like yeah, I remember once. Before such a thing, a friend of mine said to me, you're pretty good at this stuff, but you don't know what it actually takes to do it at scale, these bigger boys. Until right. you've seen inside the machine, you don't have the right to that opinion. Because basically, I was going to this phase of stuff all these big agencies are screwing everyone and all this bullshit. Blah, blah, blah. I was just like off it, right? <laughs> and I was right because the outputs yeah. were totally correct. People were getting overcharged. It was a bullshit. He said, well, until you see inside why they're like that, you don't have a right mm. to your opinion. Mm. And so, you know, I got on the machine. I got to see how. And then I was like... Ah, now I see. So now I have a lot more empathy and understanding for how these big machines are the way. And, you know, they have systems and processes in place because there's 110,000 employees in 80 different countries and a bunch of people can hide and a bunch of people can be doing bad shit. It's like I got a lot more empathy and understanding for how big things are big. But then it also made me realize why they get big and then why they get slow. So yeah. it's a roundabout way of answering it. That context is so important. I deal a lot with FinTech New Zealand businesses and also with the banks and I've been in payments and expense management. So we've had this conversation a lot where FinTechs are going, we can do this in-house in two days. Why does it take them two months? I'm like, dudes, there's reasoning. It sucks, but that's how they can be where they are. I get it. I wanted to pick up on that point around mentoring too, because I'm involved with that with her career. But what about reverse mentoring? This whole piece of there are new graduates what's coming through, brand new ideas. What do you think about that and embracing? Obviously, they haven't proven themselves yet, but just this different perspective of thought and frame of reference that can be quite unbridled because they're not cynical about the business world or <laughs> processes yeah, yet. They're, they're naive as shit because the work yeah, world hasn't finished in the place yet. <laughs> That's the um, more honest way to put it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's awesome, man. So I kind of think of myself, I've got a video about it I put out actually, it's called like about being the middle child. Like I kind of feel mm-hmm. now, J. Cole put out an album and one of the lines in the song called Middle Child, he was just like, I was just in the lab with 21 Savage, I'm about to go meet Jigger for lunch. And he's like, he's saying, I was in the studio with 21 Savage, the artist, and now I'm about to go have lunch with Jay-Z. Well, Jay-Z, 21 yeah. Savage is like 21, Jay-Z's 50. And he's yeah. kind of saying he's that he feels like the middle child because he's this bridging between these two generations, right? And yeah. so I'm 36 now. So I'm not a young spring chicken anymore, but I'm not washed up off the rooftop. So I'm like, well, yeah. what does me being the middle child for this business stuff? Like I still mess with entrepreneurs and I still like young bucks and high schools and all sorts of shit. Like that's where it's at for me forever. Like stuff the old dudes mm. because- the, the old dudes have done it. The young bucks need, that's that's who needs more of it backwards. But what I think anyway is I've been really lucky to be really inquisitive around multiple things at the exact same time. Like lots of different shit right now. Like I could go deep on 12 or 15 different things, 
and I love all yeah. of it. And there's no reason when someone yeah. says, oh, you need to be an expert. Well, stuff that. What I find yeah, the ninja move for that for me is I take like learnings or snippets or these kernels from one thing and I can thread them through all these different other worlds and then it gives me a different insight on this yeah. thing over here, right? And then for Young Bucks, they're just another strand to that because they'll have a different creative idea about something that may be totally disconnected from the rest of my world, but it actually fits over here. And then so my brain, I'm like, yeah. okay, so I just think of it like the more you consume at a shotgun approach for me anyway, the more I kind of have a wider perspective on many, many things, which is why if we want to yeah. talk about politics and money or culture, content, creativity, commerce, flipping, whatever the shit is, like I'm all in and I can genuinely speak on it because like, because yeah. I love it, you know? And so yeah. I think you get way more upside when you've got, the ability to, I call it lenses, like a, the camera, right? Like mm -hmm. you change the lens and you wear different, yeah. is it like a, is it like a wide angle lens and you see super wide and you see everything on one, or is it just like laser focused with like a long telephoto lens that's just zoomed into 200 macro or whatever it is, right? Love that analogy. Yeah. When you can have the ability to be like, okay, let's just zoom out for a second, chuck the wide angle on. Yeah. All right, now let's zoom out. Now let's look at it this way. And that gives you so much more insight than so much other stuff that exists in, in the world because when you have perspective, it gives you insights. And when you have insights, you potentially have more ammo. And in business, where it's about brain, if you've mm. got more ammo, you're on the dice a little bit more in your favor, you know? Mm. And that's, that's how I kind of think of it. Once again, back to the chess thing. Yeah, oh, that's great. I know from listening to some of your stuff that you're an energy person and I go off a lot of my own instincts to um, feel very connected to people. What do you think businesses with toxic environments are doing wrong? I know this is a general question and how can they turn their type of culture around? Like, where would you start? So I've seen a bunch and I've been through a little bit, yeah. not like, you know, I haven't, I haven't run. 10,000 person companies or whatever, but I've definitely met more than enough Karens. So <laughs> I think my view on this is regardless of the cost, gas the toxicity. Okay. When you have any ounce of cancerous energy that's just sucking away mm. value and IP and thought for everything else, stuff it. Like I remember Nathan McCullum, uh, ex uh, cricketer, so he's one of the bros, and he was talking about we had this power moves retreat. I got like, you know, 70, 80 entrepreneurs, my kind of inner circle type thing. We went on a hide at the Hilton down in Queenstown, went down, Chatham House rules, and we just kind of like, you know, shot the shit on a bunch of stuff. He had a real interesting take on how he thought about hiring and firing for a bad staff member. So he's like, I fire them in a second. They were like, like, oh, like, what's the reason? He goes, oh, it's a simple formula. Well, if I've got 10 crew on the job and one of them's toxic will that one person take away 10 percent of efficiency across the nine of them and we were right. like yep it's like cool so then it makes commercial sense and financial sense and mathematical sense if you divide the you know the 100 percent by the 10 people and if they decrease by 10 percent, then clearly if you get rid of them and no one else replaces it probably you've got more positive than what you had to stuff them and i was like holy shit wow that's that like, is it's just so genius. <laughs> so then like let's say if you got you know 20 people and two of them are just shit then you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. So I've got like 10% of weak links. Now, are those 10% of people decreasing the efficiency or the capability or the upside of these other 18 by more than 10%? Probably. Okay. So they need to go. <laughs> and yeah. then you work the numbers, right? And then it's like, well, could you capably deal with 3%? Probably. Resource wise, yeah, yeah. Probably not. So then it almost yeah. becomes like a bank doing like a risk analysis of percentage of energy decoding it for the team. But basically the fewer people there are, and the more toxicity there is, by default, they need to go. So I've had this conversation with a couple of people. Being in recruitment, you do this a lot. Is that attitude or is that skill? Attitude. 
thank you. <laughs> what, that's what I wanted you to say. But I'm like, 100%, it's attitude. Because totally. some of these people with the skill level, they are pricks. And they yeah, totally. ride that leverage and absolutely agree. Storm clouds just ruin everything. I think what happens too, like one person's toxic energy could kill a room of 100 if they're smart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're right. Because if they're really smart in the way they'll like, They'll pick apart this. They'll plant a little seed of doubt around things. They'll do a little thing. And it's it's like, that's right. it's calculated and manipulated. I've seen this shit. Like I've had it. Yeah, yeah. So have I. There's one situation I'm involved with at the moment. I'm from the outside in and I'm kind of picking out what's happening before it's happening because I know the energy of this one person. I'm like, okay, they're probably going to backdoor this, do right. that. They're probably going to do this, this, this. And once again, it comes down to chess because in chess, you reverse engineering what you think they're going to do based on the energy that they have. And then you can use that to pre-mortem incidents. So instead of waiting for it to all turn to shit and then being like, oh yeah, like this is what happened pre-mortem at the start of like if this is going to fail how's it going to fail it's like okay yeah you know, i picked one out the one that i'm talking about recently i picked it out 18 months ago i was like this founder and that person are probably going to do this and then the energy is going to do that and then da, 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 and then like literally in 18 months it's just like flipping clockwork so yeah. when you can approach the point is when you can understand people and their drivers and their intentions and how they operate you can pretty much guarantee the outcome of what you think is going to happen yeah i'm hiring for a small business at the moment and this hire is crucial because it is a small team and they're very collaborative. And so I get that. I've worked in a small team before and I have had great experiences in terrible where one terrible hire has ruined everything. So yep. so the next question where you've said you would quote, rather have someone with an A player heart, B player skill, which is what we're touching on. Given that, what would be your process and recommendations when recruiting for a hiring manager to find that heart? Did I say that? It sounds real good. Yeah, I've said that. You had, rather Jeez. have someone with an A player heart, B player skill. I was like, that's awesome. I'm writing that one down. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, you're that good, Robert. My problem that I've got, and this just gets me into trouble a lot, is I don't really think through what I'm saying. I just say it and then I forget. Yeah, and then yeah. I just forget. And I'm just on to the next thing. I'm like, oh shit. And then sometimes I'll have like some bangers that come back and they're like, that's actually like really good. Who says that that's like, good? Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, but it's like 95% average and 5% bangers. So I'm like, yeah, fuck, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> But yeah, hiring managers are looking for that. How do they find it? I always find, maybe this is just me, that whenever you enter a situation that has power uneven, you never get the real person, yeah. right? Like, let's say I desperately yeah. want a job and you're going to sweep floors at whatever. It's like, oh yeah, I've done uh, 10 years of that. Oh yeah, cool. I can do it with my eyes. Because, oh yeah, blah, blah. You're never getting the real person because they have a direct conflict of interest to what they want the outcome to be because you control the power. You're getting their sales rep. Yeah, they're getting their sales rep. Like, that's that chameleon shit. And you never can see the truth until that power's away. Until, yeah. let's say they've got the job and then they don't need to stress anymore because they got it. That's when you see the real person. And in agency world, the classic would be, you never get the person's real opinions about anything at the office. And it'd be at Sales Street, they're flipping three in the morning after they had their six beer. And then they're just like, ah, oh, yeah, fuck, blah, 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 blah. And that's them, right? So yeah. what I'm saying is, well, why not make it flat of like who you are to what you is? That just makes life way easier instead of having like, yeah. like a, a friend of mine. He's one of my good mates, but he's, he's publicly known, but he's also privately disconnected from his public image. And I'm like, you almost are like a comedian because you have to go out and you have to yeah. put this front on of like what you think this thing is. And then all you want to do is just, you know, go drink beers with the boys and talk shit. Like that must stuff you up. And so the cost of that comes at a cost because yeah. we're truly authentic to you with it. It's like, well, a lot of people aren't going to like that. A lot of people aren't going to engage with it. So then I, I think it's almost the other way of like find a spot that genuinely lets you. Because one thing that pisses me off about corporates mm. and shit is they'll go, bring your whole self to work, be authentically you. And it's like, but that person who's saying that, the majority yeah. of the time, they're not doing that because they've been a chameleon because of the shell that they've got because they're actually a dot, dot, dot. So I'm like, 
well, if you're faking it, try to tell me to be real, but then you're faking it. So what are we doing here? Like, and you'll you judge it too. And you'll judge my yeah, real. Yeah. yeah. And then so I'm kind of like, I'd rather deal with like the authentic crazy and navigate through yeah. the chaos, but at least I know what it is. That's why I think yeah. when you confront with all your bullshit, people already know whether they like you. They already know if you can execute or not. The only thing they don't know is if they can trust you or not. So the majority of yeah. times I'm doing anything, if I sit down with someone and it's the first time thing and they're looking to do something, I already know what the gig is. The gig is, yes. look, if you've decided to take this meeting, you already flipping know what I think about how I'm going to look, talk, act. You know, what I'm going to think about a million different things. You know how I'm going to roll. Yeah. And you already know what I've done because you've got Google. So the only thing that this we're trying yeah. to do here is you're just trying to figure out if I can trust That's you or not. Trust. That's yeah. it. And so how I kind of navigate it is I like think of it like eight mile where, and I've said a couple of times, a little example is, you know, at the end of eight mile with Eminem, the rapper and right. And at the end of it, they have this rap battle and yeah. he wins because he destroys himself well. first. Yeah. And, he, and he says all the <laughs> yeah. bad shit about himself. He's like, I'm this, I'm that, I suck, blah, blah, all the rest of it. And then the other person's got no ammunition <laughs> against them. So he wins. Yeah. He wins. So I think when you can front foot all that crazy shit first and be like, look, I'm super loose and nuts. I'm, but I'm insanely driven and maniacally focused when I want to get a goal because I'm goal driven yeah. for it. Sweet. I'm going to, this is how I'm going to roll. This is how I'm going to act. This is, like, I would rather, if I was anyway, how much better would a hire be if someone just rolled straight in and be like, look, dude, this is who I am. This is who I am. I love boozing on like Friday <laughs> nights. I send it and I'll see you on Monday morning, but I'll be here at 7 a.m. and I go flipping hard. I'm going to swear yeah. I get loose. I, like, my, my dress is pretty, pretty average, but I'm a weapon on Excel and I can do this. Like, yeah. how refreshing would that be instead of like, <laughs> here we go and this is my thing like because then instantly in your head not that weird attracts weird but let's say for arguments like i was trying to fire a general manager who is literally nothing like me at all right if mm. i'm that person to try and get to me the first thing i'd say is like look i'm literally the 100 percent exact opposite of you which is why i'm absolutely yeah. perfect for this i'm extremely analytical detail focused i do this 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 this, this. just whatever i'd be like yeah that makes total sense you know and yeah I'm, that's I'm, not I'm me fun enough <laughs> You know, I'm fun enough that I can have a few beers with the crew, but at the same time, I'll do damage yeah. and do 20 hours straight when shit needs to get done because I get shit done. I'll be like, yes. I always feel it's a bit of a one-way street when people are trying to get hired because they think that everyone above them that's potentially hiring is the same type of thing. It's like, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. You being a junior executive at a, for argument's sake, let's say a DB breweries might be totally different to Fonterra, right? Yeah. The culture of those two things might be totally different, but you're going for the or same role. And I think or a, yeah. 100%. And so I just think that too much of the time people going for roles think that every one of that role is the same when it's totally mm. not. So they need to look for the culture fit first because the last thing you want to do mm. is proactively go somewhere where it's not aligned at all with what you do. And it's just going to create resentment and bullshit. And then next thing you know, you hate it and you bail and leave. That's my two cents on it. Yeah, it's true. I have met people through my career and, and they're like, you're always so happy. Like, is that a thing? And I'm like, look, I, I would be too exhausted to be anything other than who I am. Like, this is this is it. You're going to get all of it because there's a lot of energy going on in here. So people that need to do that change of face, oh. I don't understand how that happens. Like my high highs and my lows are low and I'll share as much of that of where I'm at. It's not saying you're not experiencing things, but I think you're doing it authentically within the band of who you are. And that's the important lesson, right? The key there though is 
just as so many people are not brave enough to say what they actually think, even more people are too scared to show when it's bad. Yeah. I had a post I put out of my socials today. So I try and post every day along my Rosie and recruitment and career, just some lessons and insights. And it's this little cardboard red robot man saying, I tried my best with a broken heart and I lost a pitch this week. And you know, there's lessons for that. I really wanted it to work out. It didn't. I still think I would have been amazing. That's fine. But you sit in the disappointment or you learn from it and go to the next step being your superstar self again. You know, it's, it's that lesson. I think obviously being a sales, I've got resilience. That's something I've learned over also my childhood and some of the challenges and social issues there. But it's sharing that, yeah, I had some bad shit go down this week, man. (laughs) It's not always great and fun. Totally. And I think that's one of the biggest dangers on social is I feel it's for me anyway, it's a duty that I have now to show all sides of it. So there's been times if it's a gong show, I'll be like, gong show. Because the danger that you have is if you just preach the thing of like the rah-rah, life's all good, gravy, 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 and that's all it is, that's not the the actual truth because sometimes it's a fucking shit show. Sometimes you wake up and your energy's stuck. Yesterday I had one, like it was kind of a good day, but something was just kind of off. Like it was like, did I waste a bunch of time? Was this really like cool? What was the, I mean, I didn't know the answer. And so I just said to wife, she got Mm. home and I was like, I'm just going to go to the golf range right now. I'm just going to go, go, yeah, I'm just going to go golf. And she's like, all right. And so I just went out and I walked and not that there was anything sort of wrong, but it was more just like, this is just what I need to do to reset me right now. And it was, came home yeah. fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. A night it happened doing dry July. The first time in 22 days, I was like, really, I could have done with the drink, but I ran a scoldingly hot bubble bath and I watched some yeah. MasterChef and I, you know, like just the things that I knew would make me happy. And the next day I got back on the phone. First thing, you know, you got to do that. Yep. This is a long question. So in my work, I work with an organization called Her Career as well. We're working with entry and mid-level women to fix the broken rung and break through those glass ceilings, create connection and support for women. And it's all about climbing the career ladder internally instead of entrepreneurs to executive positions. So some of it's inspiring, but some of it is also, it's really slow to shift. And we feel that. I know one of your messages is hashtag yes to success. And you're working to destroy that tall poppy syndrome. But what other positive lessons will you be providing to your daughters, given they're young, as they grow to develop their resilience for whatever it is that they want to do in life? It's a bloody great question. Thank you. I did work on that one. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's great. One, I'm not in a place to, I guess, speak on women up the rung later because A, I'm not a flipping woman. I haven't gone up the rung of any of that stuff. But as a middle-aged father with two daughters under three, and this is always such a funny one for me because this is where people kind of get a bit tripped on it. Like I'm rah-rah with the boysies and I like all that shit, right? But like yeah. I grew up, older sister, younger sister. My dad had double brain hemorrhage at 11. So I was essentially man at house 11. My wife is one of three sisters and I've got two daughters under three. So it's like, yeah. there's more than enough <laughs> well, around my life. There's yeah. more than enough. I get that shit. So funny enough, like a couple of weeks ago, my three-year-old, we're playing around in the house and, and they were trying to do this ballerina thing. So trying to run and do a little, little jump. And then she goes, oh, I can't do that. I'm like, oh, why, why can't you do it? And she's like, oh yeah, only boys do that. Girls can't do that. And I was like, uh-uh, stuff this shit. I was like, no, no, you can do absolutely anything. Look, let's do it together. That's not just, and I just went down this whole thing. And then she then ran and did the, the jump thing. And it was yeah. like, I don't ever want a single ounce of anything to get into her head to make her think she can't do anything at all, ever, full yeah. stop. Like even the one she's a couple of days ago, she was like, oh, I can't do this. I put some paint in these little hang up things that go on the window. They sort of hang down and whatever. She put paint on it. She was trying to get the small string to go through and she's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I was like, no, no, 
you can't do it yet. Can't do it yet. Yeah. And so we keep trying, trying, trying. And I like, I don't want ever to there be a mental handbrake which she puts on herself that isn't put on her at all, ever. Like, yes. regardless what it is. For that's, I guess, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but this is just my truth. I guess I don't want the lens of my daughters to think the world of us as this when it's actually that ever. Yeah. Right. That's like, no, 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 stuff that it's this. I'll look at, and then yeah. you go, because then look at this YouTube clip of a six-year-old playing the drums. That's a, it's a Mozart. You look at Simone Bowles doing gymnastics stuff. You look at so-and-so doing uh, whatever. Yeah. And then that's when you start to see them. Right. And so yeah. to me, I, I just think it's almost, so that's for the daughters when they come up now within the business context. Now this is just a personal thing. I'm kind of a little bit, I guess, hypocritical because I probably fit into this age bracket as well. I hate on LinkedIn, how it's a bunch of 40 to 50 year old white dudes talking the same shit, right? Yes. Because <laughs> I've got all these female friends and I was like, why don't you go and unleash on this shit? And they're like, oh, no, 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 it's not, it's not blah, blah, blah. And there's it's this also fear thing, right? It's also so time consuming and energy consuming. Yeah. But I remember I was at CES with Michelle Dickinson and Joe, her mm -hmm. husband, and we were having dinner and she said a passing comment that stuck with me for, for years so far. She goes, oh yeah, the problem with this conference, look around. I was like, like mm -hmm. I didn't really see it. It's like, it's 95% yeah. men. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. And he goes, she was like, Minus the promo girls, which are paid for, this is 90% men. And I was like, huh, that's a bit stuffed up. And she goes, the danger is what will our society look like if all our decisions are made by 95% of men? And I was like, holy shit, you're right. This isn't what our society actually represents. So I mm. think there's a dangerous echo chamber that happens on LinkedIn, where if it's, let's say for yeah, argument's right. sake, it's 95% men, not just white men, but the ones that I've seen has predominantly been. Let's just for argument's sake, it's 95% men the age between 40 and 60 that mm. control 90% of the messaging, the media, the narrative, the ideas, the thoughts, the opinions of what you consume that you think is the builder business. I see LinkedIn, I see business. I just get flooded with the majority of all the stuff. Sooner or yeah. later, that starts to take an impact on it. And I think that's whack. Yeah. I think it's bullshit. Subconsciously, it's there. 100%. And I'll prove this when I moved to Canada and I was living there snowboarding and I don't give a shit about ice hockey. I couldn't care about ice hockey. Like yeah. it's just, I was like, <laughs> whatever. It is on all day, yeah. every day. It is 90% of the oxygen is talking about flipping hockey. I swear to God, by the flipping third month, I was like coming home early from shredding to sit down and make sure the Canucks are playing so-and-so and I can sort of see it. I'm like, how did this shit How did happen? this happen? And it happened because they won by yeah. default because they owned up all the attention in my headspace. Exposure, and so yeah. So to answer it, I think that there just needs to be more and more braver female voices and Maori voices and Pacifica voices and LGBTQ voices and any voices that's not what we've already seen. Because the danger I feel yeah. in society is if everyone thinks that society is based off this one lens, mm. then that's actually not a true representation of what we have. And then that causes because conflict. Because they try because and fit themselves in that. Yeah. 100%. And so that's what I would say as well. So any female or those minorities, whatever that are in, in power or position, use that to flex and create as many different breadcrumbs for others as possible to try and find. That's what I feel. I feel yeah. it's a duty for them, which is why I do so much of the stuff I do. I feel it's a duty. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is why one of the reasons why I created this podcast, I'd been a co-host on our Her Career podcast. But when Holly and I caught up recently, we both discovered we were writing articles for Business Desk New Zealand. So they've got a new section coming out. It's coming out this week. So I'm writing on recruitment. Holly's writing on lobbying. And oh I was just like, this is freaking awesome. Got two Māori women who are talking about really important issues within New Zealand and giving SMEs advice and 
and steps and practical outcomes for business. And hopefully if we can support them and do that and keep writing these articles and be at the forefront and share our learnings and experiences, it can widen that door a little bit. 100%. It's good. And whether it's right or wrong, it's your truth, but it's a different lens and we just need more lenses, you know? Yeah, I agree. If you could make one change to support SME New Zealand businesses right now in New Zealand, what would it be? Genuine collaboration for education and growth. The majority of small business owners are stuck in their own bubble of their own world Yeah, with everything 360 consuming them instead of realizing the person next to them who's a small business is doing the exact same thing. And the person that's left for them is doing the exact same thing. And so you've got this fragmented alignment where there are these thousands or hundreds of thousands of these small micro bubbles with everyone in their own bubble going through the same issues of HR, staffing, marketing, cash flow, whatever. Because as soon as you're a small business, it's all on you. You're the end-to-end 360 workshop and you know you may be awesome at accounting but you may suck at sales you may be awesome at sales but you may suck at back-end admin you may suck at logistics you may suck at whatever it is and Mm. weirdly enough people don't realize that one plus one actually equals three you know because when you're one to yourself it's zero because you that's all you know when it's one plus one it's like oh then you know that and I know this, oh, there's something new. That's Idea. value. When there's value created, then that helps everyone. So I think the overarching, within all these stuff that we're talking about, whether it be young bucks going for jobs or females trying to get louder in the marketplace or small business owners, it's bravery. It comes down to bravery. It comes around yeah. internal bravery to either ask a question and feel stupid. Like I was in a meeting someone said some word I didn't, xenophobia. Didn't know what that shit was. And yeah. then in the middle of the interview, I'm like, hey, what does that shit mean? Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And we just keep going on with it, right? But yeah, if I didn't ask, I don't know. And they keep talking about this no thing. Context. I don't know what they're talking about. And I'm like, sounds good, bro. I mean, I don't know what that shit meant. To have internal bravery to ask the dumb question or to actually just say what you feel or to just play the game differently. And people just don't do that. People just would rather sit there and stay quiet yeah. and the same shit happens. So it's like reliable data equals reliable results. Same shit equals the same shit. Yeah, leveraging network. You're right. We have them here in New Zealand in a way that other countries are envious of, and we're just not using them in the best way possible. They feel shame. They feel shame yeah, to I not know so. the answer. They feel shame to yeah. say, oh, like I did this one, this little power moves forum thing. I got together 10 of my buddies in business and a bunch of the boys, right? Put them through and we did Chatham House Rules thing. And one of the biggest issues that actually came up in Chatham House Rules was how they can navigate being a better manager for female staff. Now, right. where else would they yeah. go to try and talk about that shit? Like yeah. at the pub? Oh, how do I deal with Sally? And the shit's <laughs> just going on. Oh, I'm trying to, it's like, they're, they're talking about, oh, you got 20 bucks on the game this weekend? Oh, mean. <laughs> like, they're not talking about that shit. And so yeah. I think any small business owner in New Zealand needs to realize that everyone else who's running a small business doesn't have it figured out. They've all got weak spots yeah. and they've all got shit that they don't know what's up. And funnily enough, if you can create more forums where you can actually have open conversation and dialogue about what's actually going on, you may be able to help each other because what you're awesome yeah. at, but they're fearful to sound like they don't know what they're doing or they don't know what's yeah. up. And that's okay because we all don't. That's the flipping point. If you did, you'd be flipping a thousand employees in charge in a way. But if you just take them along small, you don't know everything. Even the big guys don't know everything. So that yeah. would be just enough bravery to, to ask the dumb question, to stand what my mum used to say, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Actually knowing what you nice. stand for. Done. That is a great way to end this. I know you had a hard finish. I want to thank you so much for your time. That was amazing. Sure. There's only one way I can round off this episode, with even more insight from Robert. This is from an article he recently published on LinkedIn titled, What I Learned from Interviewing 100 Weapons. He says, the biggest thing I've learned, the headspace leading into the decisions is more paramount to prioritize and address first, then tackle the decisions, potential opportunities and obstacles next. The mind is a wonderful weapon when used correctly. Jordan said his game was 80% mental. He was right. 
Ready, think, go. If you liked this episode of Rosie on Recruitment, please subscribe, review, share with your networks on your favorite social channels, and tag me at Rosie Her Career. That's R-O-S-E-Y. I'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions to discuss how I can help you find the best human talent for your organization or to place you in your next dream role. Until next time, remember, be calmer, be kind, be better. Be better.